Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of e-commerce QA. This is the show where directors of e-commerce, e-commerce founders, strategists, anybody that's very close to the growth of an e-commerce company come here and we talk about what we're learning. We're very privileged today to have Daniel Burris on with us. Daniel is a world-leading futurist and expert in innovation. He's written many books, and Daniel, it's wonderful to have you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So you just finished a new book. And it's called The Anticipatory Organization, with the subline of Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. Tell me about it. Well, you know, technology-driven change is accelerating at an exponential rate, but moving fast in the wrong direction can only get you into trouble exponentially faster. So it's not just about speed. It's also about how do we determine some kind of direction? And secondly, reacting to problems and digital disruptions, no matter how agile your, your organization are, just isn't good enough because of the speed of change. So instead of just focusing on agility, which is the current big focus, we've got agile innovation, agile this, agile that. But remember, agility is reacting fast to something that's already happened. What I'm talking about is the other side of the coin, and that is how to anticipate disruptions before they disrupt, how to anticipate problems before you have them and how to anticipate game-changing opportunities before others see them. So that's the idea of the book, The Anticipatory Organization. And it's a proven model. It's working great. And now it's in book form. That's wonderful. I want to dig into your model, but I have a question about an article that you wrote on the Huffington Post. This is the article titled, Is It Time to Innovate? What Netflix Got Right and Web TV Didn't? This is a little bit funny to me because I remember Web TV, you know, and <laughs> yes. whenever we see these new, you know, technologies or innovation spaces opening up, you wonder which one's going to win, right? And then, of course, you know, there's the winners and the losers, and sometimes we don't easily know which one's going to come out on top. I find the the title of this article very intriguing. Is it time to innovate? I mean, I think people like me, we think it's always time to innovate. Talk to me about that. Well, you know, it's very interesting because I work with uh, small, mid-size, as well as uh, the largest of companies. And no matter what their size is, a lot of companies will say, well, we have a culture of innovation. But if you really dig into it, they haven't innovated in 10 years. They haven't innovated in five years or even longer. They innovated long ago and have been milking the cash cow they created. And they've lost the culture of innovation. Secondly, innovation is really about risk-taking, and a lot of companies don't like to take risks. But what I've done is, through this methodology, which I know we're going to talk about, what you can do is do innovation with low risk and high reward, which is really a flip. It's kind of an opposite. It has truly accelerated innovation and really transformed results for organizations. And by the way, I know this system works because I came out with leadership learning system, a video learning system about two years ago. I called it the anticipatory organization. And corporations of all sizes around the world have been using it. It got a product of the year award its first year. It's being used by the Pentagon even for leadership training. And it's been working so well, I decided to put that out in book form. So the book is not something that's been not tried. Actually, it's uh, been working extremely well. And now it's again in a book. I want to talk about the framework and some of the specifics of what you're alluding to here. But I have a one more high-level question, which is when we think about being reactive, which is what we as managers 
no, we should never do, right? We should be proactive and so on and so forth. Do you see that the trend towards enterprises and especially in the tech space and particularly with software, thinking in terms of agile, do you feel like this is a, a new phenomenon, new, broadly speaking, like within the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Or do you feel that the need to bring things back to a proactive basis has become, has just been around forever? Well, that's a great question. Thank you. And first of all, what I'm doing is redefining what proactive means. Mm. Proactive means taking positive action now. And But what I would say is let's call it being preactive to future known events. So when you have the methodology of, and in this case, I'll start to get into what that methodology is to answer your question. One of the keys to it is separating what I call hard trends from soft trends. And hard trends are based on future facts. They will happen, guaranteed. And you cannot stop them, but you can see them coming before they happen. And that allows you to turn disruption and change into, indeed, an opportunity and advantage. The other type of trend is a soft trend. And that is not based on a future fact. That's actually based on an assumption. But unfortunately, a lot of companies of any size have treated a lot of things as facts and, in reality, their assumptions. And before I go, uh, go any further on this, let me just say I like both hard trends and soft trends because hard trends let me see the disruptions and the changes before they happen, turning, uh, giving me a choice. Now I can be the disruptor. Or I can just choose to be disrupted. I have a choice. Soft trends, if I don't like them, you know what? I can change them. And let me give you a really good example. And that is, I was just speaking to CEOs, there's about 500 of them, of a, a big healthcare conference. And they were CEOs from hospitals of different sizes, as well as uh, suppliers to the healthcare industry. And one of the things that they were all assuming to be true is that healthcare costs will continue to rise. And they all saw that as unstoppable. They saw that as a future fact. But in reality, it is a total soft trend. We could change that. Let's see if we don't think you can change it. You don't even try. And by the way, here's how you could change that. Healthcare reform basically has really been health payment reform. In other words, how are we going to pay for that mess out there? Instead of using innovative new technologies, transformational technologies to, for example, transform how hospitals purchase supply chain, logistics, as well as using technologies like blockchain to bring transparency to consumers. I mean, let's face it, you wouldn't be paying $300 for an aspirin if you really knew how much it cost when you were in that hospital. So we could actually lower the costs of healthcare if we use these transformational technologies and realize, you know what, you could, or we can just continue to let it go. Daniel, yes, go ahead. What's an example of a hard fact? Something yes, that we can you know in much. the future. Yes, that we know this will happen. Well, mm-hmm. first of all, there's already a well-known science to, to it, and that is cycles. Like right now, we know after spring is summer followed by fall. And by the way, there are over 300 known cycles, business cycles, weather cycles, biological cycles. There's even sales cycles. By the way, if there's a sales cycle, I like to have the sale completed before the cycle begins. I'll use it to my advantage. And economists use cyclical change as a way to predict the future. But as everyone listening to this knows, the economists have been increasingly wrong. 
And the reason is there's another kind of change, and I'm addressing that very powerfully in the book, and that is I would call it linear in that it's one way slash exponential, meaning that it's going almost vertically. It's getting faster every year. And once you get a smartphone, that's not a cycle. You're not going back to a dumb phone. You're Mm -hmm. going one way. Once people in China park their bicycle and get a car, that's not a cycle. They're not going back to the car. And once people in India get refrigeration for their home, they're not going to say, we don't need refrigeration. So these are linear changes driven by exponential technologies that give us predictable opportunities as well as predictable challenges. And to further answer your question, to really add some some real value here for our listeners, there really, it's not that hard. There's only three categories of hard trends or future facts. And that is one, demographics. Example, simple example. There's 78 million baby boomers in the United States and hard trend, they're going to get older. They're not going to get younger. They're going to get older, guaranteed. And that gives us some opportunities. For example, at your company, you've got a lot of people predictably that are going to be retiring that have a lot of knowledge and wisdom. You've got a database. You have a wisdom base. You have a knowledge base. Have you actually pulled the knowledge and the wisdom from them before they leave? Or another quick example, a lot of people love to go boating and fishing. Trouble is, as you get older, it's hard to launch the boat. So why don't you and I create the easy launch trailer for seniors? Would we have a fully definable growing market every year? Answer is yes. Would we know which countries to export to and which countries not to export to? Yeah, we know the ones with young populations and aging populations. You see, it's amazing. So demographics is one opportunity. It's a hard trend. Another one, this will surprise everyone, regulations, government regulations. And I bet people are saying, whoa, I didn't think you would say that. But indeed it is. Let me give you an example of how to get an opportunity from it. You see, when a regulation comes into place, we all look at all the stuff we don't like. But one of the principles in the book is opposites work better. Do the opposite. Look at what you do like. Look at where the money is. For example, in California in January, there were 1,000 new laws that went into place in January. And of those 1,000 laws, one of them said within three years in the state of California, all kindergartners and first graders in the state, half of their reading has to be nonfiction. You got three years to do that. By the way, right now, all of their reading is fiction. The little engine that could is fiction. So most of us would hear that and say, well, what are these guys crazy? Shouldn't they be doing something important? Instead, a 26-year-old teacher in San Diego did the opposite. She made three phone calls. She called the San Diego School District, the Los Angeles School District, the San Francisco School District, and said, hey, it's a new law. You got three years to make those books nonfiction, to get half the books nonfiction. If I supplied those books, would you be interested? And to make a long story short, they said, not only said yes, but they underwrote her business and became a guaranteed customer, and she didn't have to go on Shark Tank. See, there's opportunity out there. The third one, is technology. And of course, that one is especially in the bullseye of most of us, but we don't realize how amazingly predictable technology is. And again, this is book number seven for me, and it's pretty easy to do that. For example, after 3G and 4G, we're starting to read about 5G. Well, is that it? No, we're going to have 6G followed by 7G. We can even tell how powerful they will be and when they'll come out because of some predicting graphs that I can show you in the book. Are we putting 
more in the cloud or is the cloud getting full? Is we're going to continue to not only virtualize our products and virtualize our hardware as well as our software, could we also virtualize all of our services? And the answer is, oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a strategy I teach. If it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. So with hard trends and soft trends, you can start to see what can be done before so it happens, giving wow. you an edge. A way to see into the future, folks. So now let's dig into this a little bit more. You know, we can anticipate future facts. We can infer what some maybe some soft trends will be. What about problems? Most of the time, what a lot of us do is dealing with problems. Thank you. They're part of your model that addresses problem solving. Yeah, it's amazing. Michael, I, you know, I just completed a study over the last year and a half of a, a thousand companies all around the world in just about every different industry. I'm about to publish this, but I'll give you the results now. And this is talking to the CEO and saying, what is your company's biggest problem? And then after they tell me what it is, what I do is I ask them, now, did that come out of the blue? No way to see it ahead of time. Or could you have seen it a year ago and done something about it? 93% of the thousand have said, oh, you know what? We could have seen that a year or two ago. We just didn't have a methodology for doing it. And that is another reason I wrote this book. You know, most of us listening to this have said, I knew that was going to happen. But what did you do? Well, you just kept going. You didn't do anything about it. So what this does is it allows you to do everyday innovation by empowering your people to learn to predict problems they're about to have in their function, in their role, and pre-solve them so they don't have them in the first place. With inventive solutions, we actually show people how to do that in the book. And then the other type of innovation is exponential innovation, how to take big leaps ahead with low risk, because again, if you don't do it, someone else will. I'm intrigued by this because I'm used to taking big leaps ahead with lots of risk. Yes. So let me give you an actual, a real strategy right now for all of your listeners. So even if you don't get this book, let me give you some value right now. And that is, why didn't a cab driver think of Uber? Why didn't Marriott think of Airbnb? And I know the reason. They were all really busy executing strategy. Let's face it, execution, being lean and being agile, hey, BlackBerry was quite good at that. And so was Dell. So was Sony. So was HP. So is, you know, Hewlett Packard. And let's face it, we need a new, a new competency. That's why I wrote, wrote this book. As a matter of fact, you know what? That's why I'm giving every one of your listeners this book. You know what? Let me just do that right now. I believe in this book so much. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to give you the hardcover copy of this book because right now it's available. You can buy it on Amazon. You know what? Go to theaobook.com. And I'll give it to you for free. And I'm doing that because I think you're going to love it so much. You're going to tell a whole bunch of friends. That's how much I think you're going to find value in it. Because I'm losing money on every one of these. No, I'm not. I'm helping spread the word because I know you'll like it that much. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Okay, folks. Theaobook.com. We'll include that in the show notes as well as a lot of these other points. Wow. (laughs) I forgot what my next question was going to be. You kind of took me by three on that. Well, well, that's another thing. Opposites work better. See, I've got 25 uh, principles that allow you to transform how you innovate, to elevate your innovation and transform your results. Opposites work better. 
Uh, let me give you a quick example of an opposite. Back in about 2002 or three, a lot of people were putting out these free e-zines, right? Electronic magazines, these free e-zines. And I thought, why not do the opposite? So I decided to make a really expensive electronic magazine, uh, you know, a monthly. By the way, how expensive is really expensive? I charged 120000 a year for it, and it worked. Now, here's the point. When you say to yourself, I'm going to make a monthly e-zine that's going to cost 120000 a year to subscribe, you have to ask yourself, what kind of value would it have to have to get somebody to pay that much? Well, if you've never asked that question, you've never got that answer. Well, I decided to be bold enough to ask that question. And by the way, it totally changes how you market. Let me give you a quick example. The first client was a C-suite marketing expert at Walmart. Now, probably no one else at Walmart is going to subscribe to that newsletter. I don't care. I know all I need is one per company. The next one was American Express. Probably no one else at American Express is going to get it. I don't care. I just need one per company. You see, it changes the whole game. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because we're in a time where you can change the game or you can continue to play the game the way you've always done it. But the old saying was, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always had is no longer valued. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get less of what you've always had because you know what? The world is changing around you super fast. The world's fastest supercomputer two years ago was disassembled four months ago because it was already obsolete. It used to be the big ate the small, now the fast eat the slow. But moving fast in the wrong direction again can get you into trouble. That's why hard trends, separating them from the soft trends, gives you direction and it gives you certainty. And I'll tell you something when you've got certainty, you have the confidence to make bold moves. And as a leader, when you have certainty and you talk in future facts rather than just giving your opinion, what happens is your people are empowered to make bold moves because they also have the confidence to move forward in a new, more powerful direction. So let's take this home, Daniel. What are some hard trends that you are aware of in the e-commerce space or the, the, the retail space more broadly that you feel that companies today need to think about more, more critically? Well, I'll give you some really good ones. For example, on my computer right now, I have a prototype of a 3D web browser. By the way, all of your web browsers right now, you know what they aren't? Your, your computer screen, your website looks like a flat piece of paper with an embedded video and a hyperlink and some text and a picture. But when it starts having 3D and you don't need glasses to wear it because it's only one viewer, unlike a movie's when you go to the movies, you all need glasses because there's so many people viewing it. But with a handheld device or with a computer, you don't need the glasses. And you have interspatial dimensionality. You can go into buildings. You can go into stores. You can have things pop out at you. Hey, I've already got that on my laptop. That's game-changing. If I'm already using that prototype, and I can't tell you the name of the company because of a non-disclosure that I signed, but hey, if I'm already using it, can I predict you're going to get it? Yeah. And can I predict that that's going to change how we do our websites? Well, yeah, it's going to be game changing. And that's just one. There's far more than that as we start looking at how does the, uh, how do the uh, data and analytics and Watson and AI play into this? And how do we use that 
to supplement in the e-commerce world the human and the physical part of what we do. You know, there's a reason why Amazon is getting into and bought Whole Foods and is opening up over 100 bookstores around the country. They are looking at the future of brick and mortar differently than the CEO of Sears, who's closing 175 stores. Both of them are seeing a different future in e-commerce and not only e-commerce, but also in brick and mortar commerce. But the reason Amazon is getting into that, being an e-commerce king, is because they realize actually we're going into a new revolutionary phase of e-commerce. And it is an amazing blend of the physical and the virtual in a way that it goes far beyond just having your website look just like the other things that you offer. (laughs) In other words, you see what I mean? We're at the base of a mountain of this whole thing we're calling e-commerce. And I want everyone listening to this to get really excited right now because we're in game-changing time. If you continue to play the old game and think you know what it is, you're going to undershoot. Fabulous. Yeah, that's a recurring theme on this show is stop treating your website like like a Sears catalog. Not to pick on Sears, but there's the picture. There's the text. There's the button. So exactly, exactly. And, and again, the tools are there. It's, are you getting, are you reading the same things you've always read? Are you doing the same things that you've always done? Maybe you need to start getting some new information. Maybe you need to start connecting. Uh, matter of fact, on my website, Burrus, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, I, you know, I write a lot of articles. Hey, those are free. If you're on LinkedIn, I just two weeks ago, I think I passed the 1 million follower mark on LinkedIn. I'm like one of the highest in the world. The reason is, hey, I'm giving a lot of really good stuff for free. So I'm not even selling you something. Why don't you go connect with me and see why I got a million people following me? There's ways of getting information out there. And Michael, thank you for helping me get this message out to all of our e-commerce people out there, because it's not just an evolution anymore. It's a revolution. And they need you sharing all of this not just from me, but for the other people you're interviewing to try to help them to redefine and reinvent what e-commerce is. Well, that's a great place to, to leave off. And Daniel, I really appreciate your time. There's one more topic that I would love to have people dig into, which is that you, your model that you've been sharing with us in your book, you talk about how to take your biggest problems, and not only solve them, but skip them. Uh, this book, again, you want to go to theaobook.com. And you want to go find Daniel on LinkedIn. Let's learn how to innovate. Daniel, final thought. Yes, well, taking your biggest problem and skipping them, there's several dimensions I teach on that. But one of them is whatever problem you've got, that's not it. See, you're (laughs) trying to work out, you're solving the wrong one. That's why you're stuck. Get unstuck. And I show you how to peel the onion back. In other words, in the book, I show you how to get down to what the real problem is, which is completely solvable. I mean, I'm an advisor to the Joint Chiefs. I work with IBM and their Watson team and so on. I've never found a problem you couldn't solve when you defined it correctly. Let's get unstuck. That sounds great. All right, everyone. Daniel Burris, absolute pleasure to have you on today. EcommerceQA.com for the show notes. And that's it. 